Oh, Peter, it's been six months or so since you've called. I'm really glad to see you again. Yeah. Thanks. I really enjoy, in fact, touching base with the students who have really begun to understand. And then they don't call because there's no reason to. You're so darned happy. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm glad to see you call occasionally. And uh, uh, sure, I'm up for Dhamma questions. Uh, so what you got? Yeah, in the suttas, the Buddha says that one should develop sati based upon seclusion, dispassion, and cessation, maturing and release. And how should you practice seclusion, dispassion, and cessation? All right. Um, first off, where did you read that? Uh, I think it was in the Boyanga Samyutta, number two. In the what sutta? Boyanga. Um, you know a sutta, I don't know. Uh, in the Samyutta Nikaya, number Samyutta 46. Yeah. Oh, it's in the 46s. Okay. All right. Um, let's look at Sati from the point of seclusion first. Okay. And from seclusion first, we could say that the beginner who is practicing is dealing with the world the way that he is dealing with the world because that's the habit that he has had and that the world then distracts him and so it's better to get away from it all so that we can practice and what we're actually practicing to remember to be here now and when things are always inviting you to look into the past and look into the future, there are billboards, advertisements, and makeup artists, and all kinds of things that are happening that try to distract us from what's going on in the present moment. And so it's hard to develop sati when we're in a really noisy environment. Yeah. Okay. And uh you you could say that that's also true uh by learning to swim in a raging river mm -hmm. no it's actually you, it's hard to learn to swim when you're in a raging river in great turmoil <laughs> in the great rush it's better to learn in a still pond yeah okay so in that regard we're talking about the beginning is is that we need to get ourselves away from it all that the Buddha actually has a very famous uh, um, analogy like that, the Zada Sutta number 36 in the Majjhima Nikaya about seclusion, <laughs> is by talking about that a fire maker cannot come, you know, they, in the time of the Buddha, they had uh, professional fire makers. But now, fires are so easy to start because everybody knows how to do it. We've got uh, 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 Swayo Electric and also Phosphorus at the end of a stick and all kinds of things that we can use nowadays. And in the time of the Buddha, making a fire from scratch is difficult and it requires know-how and so there were professional fire makers. So that's the setting for the fire maker. And that the idea is, is that can this fire maker set a log on fire that is immersed in a swamp. This is the story I call the log in the bog. Now, that means that, that when we are immersed in society, we are actually saturated and waterlogged with it. And that if we take that log out of the um, 
uh, swamp and put it up on the land, it's still completely saturated. But after a while, it will begin to dry out. Mm-hmm. And when it's dry on the top just a little bit, now the fire maker can get, begin to get a, uh, something going with it. But in fact, this is the way that dugout canoes are done, is, is that you get a swampy log, and then as it starts to dry out, you begin to burn it in the middle and chop it out. Yeah. Okay, so um, if we look at sati like that, that's the number one reason why we do want to get into seclusion is so we can develop the sati of remembering to keep coming back to the present moment no matter what distractions there are. Okay, so that's the first aspect of it is that we have to uh, practice sati in seclusion. And then when we get better at it, then we can, uh, let us say, have a skill developed so that we can remember when things begin to happen when we return to the world. And so everybody's question has to do with What's the ratio then? How long should I stay on dry land to dry out versus <laughs> can I come in and out and in and out and in and out and spend just a few minutes on the out, uh, out of the water and get just a little bit of a fire going and then get right back into it, which would be the way that people are often living. And then you have the other extreme of um, both in Thailand and in Tibet, but Tibetans famous for it is, is that they will take a... Uh, a monk when he is ready for it and put him into seclusion for three years so that the only contact he has with the outside world is a plate of food that slides under the the door once a day. And other than that, he's on his own out there. Now, um, generally what they have is these are in caves that are dug out of the side of a hill, which means that while he's looking out, He's got quite a nice vista. He's got something to uh, uh, quite a here now to deal with. So how long in seclusion do you need to be is the question. Yeah. And the answer to that is it depends upon the sati. That that's what mm-hmm. it's all about. That will be your criteria is, is that when you're in seclusion, are you developing sati? And when you mm-hmm. come out of seclusion, can you practice that which you've been, uh, or actually, can you perform that which you've been practicing? And that is the uh, the practice of sati is actually the practice of remembering to be here now. Mm. Wake up, like we say, to wake up and to smell the coffee. Well, to smell the coffee, that's an in-breath, <laughs> and it's going <laughs> into sensory awareness. To wake yeah. up and come into sensory awareness, into the here now, as opposed to in that sixth uh, uh, sense door, which is the mind. But the mind has got input from the past and the future to where all of the other senses have input from this present moment. And Sati is developing the remembrance over and over again to come back into the present moment. Why? Because only then can we investigate this present moment. When yeah. the mind is stuck in the past, we can't investigate the past. That we're stuck in it instead. We don't even know that because there's no sati, and so we're asleep in the past. Dreaming, yeah. in fact, this is what we mean by daydreaming. When the child is called down and from the teacher says, you know, pay attention, stop daydreaming. 
And the kid's just, yeah. you know, he's not thinking about what's in class at all. He's all in his own world. And what the teachings of the Buddha is about is let's get out of the classroom and practice being in the here now rather than having to do practice of it while we're with the teacher. Yeah. Just, just be good at paying attention before we have to pay attention to the teacher. Okay, so that's another way of looking at it is, is that uh, sati means the ability to pay attention to what's happening in this present moment. Yeah. All right, so that's the seclusion part. What was the second one on your list? Um, this passion, then he says this passion. All right, so here we are in our bog and that the, the passion is all the juicy stuff. Okay, and so we live in a world, we live in a bog that's full of juicy stuff, and people are always interested in the juicy parts. Okay, the passion. And so uh, that's what we get from a lot of people, but as we're developing uh, in seclusion, we become dispassionate to all of the things that we wanted. And, and mm-hmm. you know, the greed, ill will, and delusion, we become dispassionate about that. But in the beginning for the student, that's a process. And the process of becoming dispassionate is first off to get out of our not liking it. Here's the example of that is, is that Goenka says at the beginning of the meditation retreat, watch your breath. And when the mind wanders away from the breath, never mind, start again. And none of the students can do that. They can't never mind start again. When they recognize the mind is uh, wandered away from the breath, they want to really take an opportunity to beat themselves up mentally. Oh, you're supposed to be watching your breath. How dare you screw up again? Okay. And we are very critical of ourselves. And so this is part of that work in the seclusion is to know the difference with sati and with investigation of what's wholesome and what's not wholesome. And being critical upon ourselves about we're not doing the meditation correctly is in fact the very, very best opportunity we have of insight when we understand that the practice of meditation is nothing but the practice of relaxing and let everything be okay. So when the yeah. student is saying, oh, what can I do about my meditation? That means that they're actually in that moment practicing dissatisfaction when they think that they're practicing satisfaction. Okay. Yeah. Satisfaction is okay. I don't care where it came from and I don't care where it's going. I've got no doubt about it that it's okay right now. That's the satisfaction. And so this is what we need to practice, which is another way of saying practicing wholesome thought. So we're actually combining now sati with the rest of the Eightfold Noble Path. We can say, in fact, that one of the things that uh, the old masters will do is is that when when they pick up one string, that in fact, you're picking up the whole thing. It's sort of like a suitcase with a handle. We don't have to pick up and hold a suitcase this way. We just got a handle for it. And so this word sati is now the handle for the whole Eightfold Noble Path. 
once you pick up Sati, that means now we have to investigate. Yeah. What we're going to investigate is all of this passion for one thing. Okay. Yeah. And as we investigate that passion, we begin to recognize I have some control over that passion. Okay. And so I can change some misogyny and change it to the way that I want to. And in that regard, this is where we go into now seeing the more positive parts of the passion, which would be the sukha, which is the satisfaction, and the pity, which is the, wow, I could do this. Oh, this is so good kind of feeling. Right. Yeah. So as we continue to practice, that begins to relax also. Even that ex that exhilaration of, wow, this is so nice is a lot of work in a way and we could just oh yeah it's so nice i know i've seen how nice it is and well i like it i don't have to get so excited about it anymore and now that's when that dispassion is coming into play which means that yeah. you can be to ha uh, uh to handle things and again at this level we need to practice that in seclusion because uh, most of the people out there are dealing with the world in their passion. And that we can begin to deal with the mind as it is without so much passion about it. And in fact, the w a better way of stating it, in, in, rather than, and you can say that the word dispassion in English, that word is an almost harsh word. Yeah, it's like it has almost the quality of I don't give a flying rip about you. OK, which is actually in a word, this passion is almost a kind of slight hostile reaction. Mm -hmm. And we're not looking for a kind of little bit harsh uh, uh, reaction uh, that real dispassion is actually, oh, well, come on in. Never mind. Okay. Yeah. That or a more friendly way of inviting it in. So dispassion needs to have that friendly quality to it rather than uh, an aversion quality to the dispassion. That in fact, the, 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 uh, that's actually quite normal for Westerners. When they hear the word dispassion, they all they automatically have that aversion kind of quality to it that I'm not supposed to have passion about that. Right? Yeah. Okay. I was exactly coming along that that um, issue because I was thinking the exact same way that it's that the Buddhist teachings in general are very friendly. And here this these English terms seem to be very harsh, like you say. Right, so and they're using harsh English language to try to uh, describe something that's in the poly quite gushy, quite yeah. warm, fuzzy, and soft. It's almost yeah. interesting. In fact, it's, uh, it's a very, very humorous joke. I like this joke very much when people talk about hardcore Buddhism, right? <laughs> it's actually quite a big thing on the internet. And... Uh, yeah. uh, 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 the deeper core of the teaching of Buddha. Guess what? The core of Buddhism is not a nut or a hard core. It's a gushy, a pastry filling. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's a jelly donut. <laughs> yeah. 
I also thought out that. with a real nut in the center. It's not a nut. It's not that kind of dispassion. It's a gushy, delicious. Yeah. Uh, there's not much to it. This is what we mean <laughs> because the passion is having to chew on it. Yeah. And there's nothing to chew on. There's really just the delight of the deliciousness of it. So this is a way also of, of looking at that quality of, of dispassion. Mm-hmm. Or um, uh, there's a lot of poly words that, ha- that have that, uh, are dancing around that quality. One of them is the word upeka. I was actually wondering, do you know what poly word that they were referring to using the word dispassion? Hey, it's um, uh, Vosaga, is it Viveka, Vosaga? Okay. I, I think it's both saga. Okay. Uh, yeah, I know in other words that are very close to that, but in other words, I I, I get it. Uh, one of the words that I like is the one that Bhikkhu Buddhadasa likes so much, and that's atamayata. Mm-hmm. And the secret to it is that ta at the end. You heard me talk about this, is that atam is the Pali word for doing. Mm-hmm. And Atam is not doing. Mm-hmm. And so it's not doing Maya. Not making mm-hmm. a mess. Aha, and the Ta <laughs> is the next fructive at the end of it. Atam Maya Ta. I'm just not going to do it anymore. Okay, so that's a way of looking up the dispassion. Yeah. Okay, is uh, uh, kind of a throwing it back. Mm-hmm. Or relinquishing it or, or getting rid of it throwing it out like that, but we're not doing that with this with distaste or hatred or aversion. Yeah, we're doing it with loving kindness in a way. Uh-huh, yeah, I see you, Mara. Yeah, it's the way that we say it. And so we can become friends with um, all of the stuff in one's mind that we would normally say I would prefer to get rid of. It's better to give it a kiss goodbye than a boot. (laughs) Okay. So this is a way of the dispassion is learning to say goodbye with a hug and a kiss and a fine farewell rather than a rejection. Yeah. So I also thought that, yeah, that, um, if he, um, if you try to put it into practice, and I also was considering doing it in a friendly way, then I thought that um, you always um, told me to relax or make the mind wholesome. And mm-hmm. I think maybe to have a relaxed step of calming the mind in terms of calming thoughts and calming the body in terms of relaxing the body, maybe would you say that this would be an, a practical approach to practice this seclusion, this passion, that you more relax or calm the mind based, that you mm-hmm. practice sati and based upon calming the mind? Can mm-hmm. you say that? And Right. And But we do that with, let us call it in the sense of a full cycle. There's one of the things that's very interesting about... Uh, uh, electricity with with waves, and mm-hmm. it's not very important till we recognize that it, in fact it is easier uh, to roll to nothing from the top of the hill down 
rather than climbing up from the bottom. Okay. And so what we mean by that is that it's very difficult to get to a state of equanimity or dispassion from um, unhappiness and passion. That the right way to go it is, is that first off, begin to control the mind so that you now have some power over whether you're going to feel good or feel bad. Yeah, that we don't just feel bad and then learn to somehow stop feeling. That's almost the same thing as just having uh, nothing but negative or unwholesome thoughts. And then you go to no mind and you stop having thoughts altogether. That's not the teaching of the Buddha. No, you have to go into wholesome first so that you have one wholesome thought after another wholesome thought after another wholesome thought. And then you can put some gaps in the middle. Yeah. Also, that's where we talk about the jhanas in the sense that we actually, with the first jhana, we talk ourselves into feeling just as absolutely good as we can possibly feel. Yeah. And then we let that kind of slide away into more satisfaction and comfort down into a very kind of even keel to dispassion that yeah. was based upon a downhill coaster ride rather than an uphill climb. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> it is so funny that you say that because I the second question I wanted to ask you was that in the beginning there was much verbalization in my mind, like you say, talking the mind into wholesome states. Mm-hmm. And by the time um, verbalization like seem a little bit like a distraction because if since the mind was wholesome it was more easy to dwell in that wholesome state rather than verbalize would you say that is yes because you're spending more mind moments experiencing how nice you feel yeah fewer mind moments talking yourself into how nice you feel yeah so you talk yourself into it, and as you talk yourself into it, you begin to see, wow, that's really nice. And then we even stop with the grind and just pay attention to how nice it is. is that's that the, the difference. First to the second jhana is right there. Is that yeah. we start talking ourselves into how nice it is and start wow. to experience how nice it is. And then we get really elated and really excited about, wow, this is too much. This is so good. I can't understand it. <laughs> but then we begin to recognize even that's a lot of work. Yeah. Feeling that good is a lot of work. Let me feel really good without so much work. So, mind, this is Vitaka or? Yeah. So, um, that's the the kind of dispassion that we're looking for is the dispassion that comes from very, very high quality uh, good feelings that are promoted through acts of generosity and gratitude and friendliness mm-hmm. and compassion and all of that stuff, especially the mudita of sharing our joy. Yeah. And so we share our joy, and then everyone feels that state of uh, satisfaction, right? So everybody then moves into the state of upeka, which is the state of satisfaction, 
which is then in English is translated into dispassion. Okay, dispassion is actually a form of dukkha, the way that we use the word dispassion, that we're looking for, in fact, a dispassion that is quite satisfying. And so that's the danger of that kind of language, is, is that uh, we, miss, we can actually get un confused about how to practice, mm -hmm. because we're looking for that kind of dissatisfied disinterest. Mm -hmm. Okay, so we want to kind of kick it out rather than kiss it goodbye. <laughs> yeah. All right. So, what's then the next line, or what's the next word in that sequence? Um. Then the the last one would be cessation. Okay. Well, that's the whole point of the satisfaction is when we're completely satisfied, then there's no more struggle. Yeah. The struggle itself ceases we're satisfied no place to go and nothing to do is that state of satisfaction which is uh uh everything has come to a, a halt no place to go nothing to do but in english we hear the word cessation differently than the way that it's actually meant in the poly and so we again take on a hard edge to it okay mm -hmm. but for them sensation is almost like that you beat it to death yeah. Instead of laying it to rest, which is a completely different concept. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, so we just let everything just fall apart, just take a rest. And that means the cessation of all of the activity that is the activity of passion. Yeah. And so the Eightfold Noble Path, and most specifically Sati, is right there, but it's not enough just by itself of waking up because that would be the way that you could think of as the Mahasi method of waking up and taking a look at the garbage without actually taking the garbage out. So now we're trying to be dispassionate with the whole bunch of garbage in the room. But yeah. we've been taking the garbage out, being completely satisfied that the garbage is out, and now there's secession. But we're also uh, full of, of, of emptiness because things have been cleaned and all the garbage has been taken out. So there's nothing much left. Yeah. Okay. Great. So I, the, I think, uh, yeah, go ahead. Yeah, I, I think that you made a very important point. I was looking for that this dispassion, uh, seclusion, dispassion, cessation, that it's something wholesome you develop and I really feel that I got the, the key point that it's nothing harsh or something you have to kick out of the mind, but it's more like to develop wholesome qualities, like the friendly aspect of a practice. Right, the friendliness aspect of it. If we forget that friendliness and only use it to harsh, to look at the harsh words that have somehow been translated. So I don't know what was happening with the um, uh, the mind of the translator when he would choose those kind of words in English. Yeah. That we need yeah. to pay much closer attention to the words we use because they have those slight little connotations. The words, there's nothing wrong with that word in and of itself, but it's the coloration that it has. It's not a bright, yeah. shiny, this passion. It's a dull, uh, 
foreboding kind of dispassion. Okay. Yeah. It's like almost an angry, I don't give a rip. Yeah. And that is a, it's a problem for for acting the teaching out because I think the teaching, like you say, should always be developing wholesome, mm -hmm. wholesome tamas. Oh, here's an example of that. This is an old example. Okay. Let us say it's in a rest home, or maybe it's just in the bedroom where grandma is uh, infirm and it's very difficult for her to move around, and so she poops on herself in the bed. Mm. Now mom comes in and sees granny pooped in the bed, and she doesn't like it at all. She's got a whole mm. lot of passion about it, okay? And she doesn't want to clean it up. Now, little Johnny is much more interested in what's going on, and so he's curious. But right there with them is their dog, and the dog actually finds something delicious. Now, the interesting thing would be to just go ahead and let the dog clean up the mess. <laughs> Why won't mom let the dog clean up the mess? Little bully standing there would think that's a hilarious thing to do, but mom is full of passion about granny can't take care of herself and look what a mess she's made and I have to clean it up. Yeah. Right. But now we can see with three people there, we've actually got our three um, uh, animals or beings there. We can see three different attitudes. One really hates it. One is really curious and one is dispassionate about all of that stuff and is just finding a nice meal to have. <laughs> All right. Why is that? It's because he's kind of dispassionate about it. Yeah. Okay. So in that regard, both the boy and the dog could be seen as somewhat dispassionate, but the real problem is the passion of the mom. Mm. Because yeah. she doesn't like what's going on and she thinks that she's the boss and has to clean it up. And then she won't let the dog do it. Well, I don't, don't, I don't understand that. <laughs> I think every rest home should have a dog for just that purpose. <laughs> <laughs> Great. Well. So that's another way of looking at that issue of passion is, is that we have to get completely out of our aversion. Yeah. And the only way to do that is to become friends with it. Yeah. So we become friends with our misdeeds and wrongdoing. Because if we don't like our misdeeds and wrongdoing, we'll feel regret and remorse and whatnot like that. But then we'll lie to ourselves and to others about it. Oh, I'm okay. Yeah. I didn't do that. All right. Yeah. But if we're quite willing to look at what we've done wrong in a, in this case, dispassionate or friendly way, let me really look at what I'm doing, because then I can see and learn and and come out of it. But so yeah. long as I don't want to see it, so long as I have passion about it, I'll be stuck with it. Yeah. Yeah. So, Banda, I really feel that 
you answered my question and unfortunately <laughs> I have to go to work right now. So we have <laughs> to come think, to an end. Yeah, so this is really great. Don't wait so long. Uh, yeah. Peter, I'd really like to see you on the on the uh, the Sangha groups. I think that others would get great joy out of meeting you. And I'm really nice. proud of you. I really congratulate you for your practice. It shows. You, uh, you cut your mic off. I don't hear you. Yeah, do that. Turn it on again. <laughs> no, I don't hear you. <laughs> okay. All right. Bye-bye. <laughs>